So hi, I'm Catherine Cohen-Kadosh. I'm a developmental cognitive neuroscientist at the University of Surrey, where I'm also heading the Social Brain and Development Lab. My research background is in brain development and plasticity. And um, in the last few years, we've begun to investigate the influence of the microbiome gut-brain axis on mental health and development. For our active ingredient research, we investigate the question um, how a better gut microbiome can improve symptoms of anxiety in young people aged 10 through 24 years. And in particular, we were looking at the evidence for so-called psychobiotics, which are prebiotics and probiotics. So one of the things you said there was gut-brain axis. And that's something that we've heard a lot over the last few years. It's even found its way into the news media when certain mental health research has been published. Can you tell us what that means? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's receiving a lot of attention and a lot of enthusiasm. Um, at the same time, and that was also one of the motivation for our research project, um, the evidence is, a, especially in human participants, is still a bit behind the curve. So for our project, we, were, we wanted to really put some focus on this, and especially for the age group of 10 through 24-year-olds, where there is not much research done yet. So we know that the gut microbiota play an important role in regulating our brain and behavior. And we also know that these gut microbiota, so all the little bacteria that live in our gut, influence um, metabolite expression in the brain. And that is done by something called the gut-brain axis, which is, is, a, is a network of communication that is bidirectional. So it goes up from, from the gut to the brain, but also from the brain to the gut. And the communication can happen uh, along a number of ways. So there could be neuronal, uh, neural communication or endocrine or immune pathways, really a number of ways of how these bacteria interact with the brain. And one of the reasons why I became very interested in the gut-brain axis is that I've, my background is in studying brain development and in particular understanding how changes in, in brain structure and function and plasticity, how do they relate to the behavioral changes that we observe in development. And one of the things that um, really um, struck me as super important is that Animal research has shown that the gut-brain axis is fine-tuned in adolescence. Um, for me, I really understood that we, in order to understand brain development, we also need to take into account an important factor, such as the gut microbiome, that may steer brain function during this time. And quite possibly, this could be one of the reasons for the emergence of many mental health problems during this time. Because if there is a, if there's a problem in the gut-brain axis, this could be one of the key contributing factors to this increased emergence of mental health problems in adolescence. This, this project, this Active Ingredients project, is very much about prevention and early intervention in youth anxiety and depression. Is your work, do you think, really focusing on the preventative element of that? Or do you see these ingredients as things that we could use as interventions, as treatments? So our, our project sort of sits between both, right? So the hope is obviously that if we have a good understanding of a, a typical or healthy gut microbiome, 
that we can use this as a um, sort of preventive measure. So we could, we could boost, for example, beneficial gut bacteria in the hope of um, just improving overall gut function. So that would be the preventive side of things. But the vast majority of the studies that we have looked at really used it more as an intervention. So looking at how does um, an increase in beneficial gut bacteria, for example, how does that influence how people feel? So it's a little bit of both, really. And the big hope um, is obviously that we will move this onto um, onto a st to a stage where we can use it as an intervention. Um, I think one of the things that we need to keep in mind, and that is also something that um, that was repeatedly highlighted in our um, work with young people with lived experience with anxiety, is that um, these so-called psychobiotics, so that is um, pro and prebiotics, they are already culturally available in our diet for centuries so such as kefir yogurt um, all kinds of fermented fish um, and almost every culture has these these um, really psychobiotic rich um, ingredients in their diet and um, one of the hopes for this is that this would also um, make it more ready for a behavioral nudge so if something's already around and we could just um, maybe go back and increase this in our diet that we could sort of boost Gut microbiome function in everybody. So we don't need to fall for the marketing and the kind of supplement industry. We can just have a healthy diet, and we're going to get this stuff. Yes, <laughs> in short, yes. But we all, and that came also up in our in our really 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 fascinating focus group discussion with young people. Um, we all know what a healthy diet is, <laughs> and it can be really difficult sometimes to achieve. So I'm 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 just. We probably will need to do a bit of both, but it really it is something that is already present, and that's something that's really important to me. It's really, um, you know, it's something that we could go back to that our grandparents have already been eating, and you know, th there's a reason why all these specific foods emerged in different cultures because we know that they are beneficial. You know, I'm speaking as someone who's from from Germany is eating sauerkraut all their life, so. <laughs> So we let's come back to that. I, I think that's a really interesting point because the way you involve young people in this kind of project, I think, is fascinating. Because on the one hand, it's really accessible because we all eat food and we all know about healthy diets at, at some level. But on the other hand, the science can get very complicated very quickly and it's really inaccessible. So I'm really interested in how you involved young people. But first, I want to find out what you found with the review. What was the evidence that you found? Are we at really early stages with this science or do we really have strong evidence about these interventions in this population? Yeah, so, um, so we did a systematic review of the literature um, and we only found 14 eligible studies that were included. So that's really, really only just a handful of studies that have investigated this topic. And um, 10 of these studies were then also included in a um, meta-analysis. Um, Based on our criteria, we, we found only a very small effect um, in favor of psychobiotics. So the results were quite weak, actually. And one of the reasons for that, isn't that something that um, surprised us, is that there was a high level of heterogeneity in the studies. So some studies used probiotics, some studies used prebiotics, 
Um, and also there was a, quite a bit of variation with regards to how anxiety was um, assessed in these studies and the age ranges used and the intervention times. And I think this is really, really a good reflection of the state of research at the moment. So animal research has a huge um, advantage in that you have absolute complete control of your um, participants because you know where they live, you know how who they interact with, and you know when they go to sleep and um, how much they exercise. Um, as soon as you um, do experiments with humans, you're, you're much more dependent on them telling you what you're doing and on you asking them what they're doing. So I think that's one of the um, one of the problems with human research. So based on these um, small effects that we found for um, in favor of uh, using psychobiotics to improve anxiety in young people, um, we came, came up with some really strong, clear suggestions of how future research should proceed. So one of the, the issues that we had with the studies included is that very, very few of them actually included um, stool sampling. So in a lot of these studies, you don't know whether the psychobiotic intake changed the gut microbiome at all. And that really should be a sanity test for um, any kind of interventions that you can really show that what you um, what you consume, um, any kind of dietary supplement that also has changes your microbiome. Otherwise, how do you know that any of the observed self-report effects um, actually are based, uh, can be linked to this? Um, there was also not always, a, you know, there's quite a variety of ways of assessing anxiety and sometimes only st stress was accessed. So it's quite, quite a variation there as well. So we really, really need a very systematic way of going forward where all studies look at the gut microbiome and where we use a sort of established set of um, measures to, um, to assess anxiety in our participants. And um, ideally... All research should also include a number of additional measures, such as looking at sleep, exercise, um, nutrition. So what do, what do people um, eat on a daily basis? Um, we've been doing this in our own research projects, really to get an idea also of um, how this dietary intervention um, is sort of <laughs> corresponds to the participant's own diet. Um, and in other aspects, such as the menstrual cycle and so forth. So lots of other factors that really we need to get a good handle on in order to understand how our participants um, live and how do they join this particular research project. So perhaps unsurprising that you've, you didn't find that many studies and the ones that you found were quite different from one another, um, in, you know, considering the stage that we're at in this field of research. Was there anything that you found in those studies that surprised you? Um, I was actually less surprised by the research evidence, but more by what the, the young people that helped us with this project actually had to, had to tell us about it. So um, I, was, I was massively impressed by the, by the enthusiasm for this research area and also the, um, the interest and the willingness to engage with it, because that's something you don't always have for these projects. Um, so that was really the thing that bowled me over. And also the, the, sort of the insight that <clears throat> this is really something where everyone has an idea or has a, has a theory already. I mean, as you already said um, earlier, everyone has a theory about diet <laughs> and, and you, you know, you'll be told if you want it or not. So everyone has already this intuitive feeling that what we, that the one thing that we change about our bodies every day, meaning what we eat will have an influence in how we, 
feel. So really the time, I think, is, is, is really ready for us to systematically investigate this now and to see whether there is, there is something that we can do in order to improve how we feel. So tell us a bit more about how you involved young people and how they were involved in the project and their role. And I guess you're starting to say there that their involvement surprised you. You know, How was it different from a systematic review that you could have done that didn't involve youth advisors? We involved the young people at two stages. Um, in the beginning, we sent out a, a questionnaire just to ask a long list of questions really all about whether they had already thought about how their diet might affect how their, their anxiety or how they feel more generally, any previous experience with psychobiotics and and so forth. So really just a really long list of open questions. Um, and we're very grateful for all the different answers because they were all open questions, so lots of work <laughs> to complete. Um, and then we invited a couple of young people in. So we, I think in total we had five young people in this um focus group and then we had more we gave them the opportunity to to look at our, the results from our systematic review and then we had a really good long discussion um, and one of the key points was that we were really for us it was important to understand what they think about this research how important what the importance of it is to their um, to their own lives and what they would like us to investigate next because I think this is one of the um, one of the key points any kind of outcomes from this kind of research needs to be something that is then accepted and young people are happy to integrate this into their life and into their you know particular lifestyle adapted to their own lifestyle so it's um there's no point in me asking <laughs> asking all these questions if nobody else wants to do it um and the other thing is also all these um I, i'm a strong believer in including stool sampling in these studies and that is obviously always a bit of a touchy topic <laughs> And um, I was very keen on getting some feedback on how this can be included in all studies with minimum disruption and um, and blushes and giggles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what did you learn? Is there a way that you can, I guess you can't gamify that and make it a fun activity, but how can you, how can you kind of cut through the embarrassment factor? Yeah, because based on my, um, on my, departmental discussions there's always something where I got lots of jokes out and everyone's always giggling and blushing but actually I met with a lot of resilience and very pragmatic approaches um so I think the key the key request really was to find a um a discrete sampling um kit that could be used and the the modern ones that we have available are very much like these DNA DNA mouth swap things so it's really um as they would say, no biggie. It's just quite straightforward, and they were all very happy. And there's also the point of doing this because if you, if you have a dietary intervention and you're saying it's target the, it's targeting the bacteria in your gut, and then you don't, you can't check afterwards whether you got microbiome has changed, and there's really no way of showing that that was the, that your intervention was effective. So I'm interested in. You've started to say already earlier on in the interview about some of the kind of research implications, not just the research questions that we look at next, but the way we do research and making it easier then for systematic reviewers like yourself to pull together future studies so it's more meaningful. Do you think what we know now has any implications for frontline practice, though? Do you think, you know, mental health workers, other people who work with young people, 
should be looking at the evidence and actually thinking about using it with young people now? So based on the evidence, um, I cannot recommend it currently as a, as a treatment because there's just there are no data on this and there are no proper randomized trials that would show that. Um, I think we need more research on this. Um, for the, the review that I summarized for the mental health, the LEO study, um, the evidence was um, was positive, but it was also for older participants. Um, was also in favor of the uh, probiotic intervention. Um, and for our systematic review, again, we had a weak effect, and it was also again in favor of the of um, pre and probiotics. But it's it's not as clear cut yet. And I think we really need to get to the stage where we have proper randomized controlled trials that contrast this, um, the psychobiotic intervention against another um, another treatment such as CBT and so forth, or um, um, antidepressants or something like that. Um, I think one key problem so far is that very few studies have really tried to close the entire gut-brain loop from gut stool sample analysis, behavioral, very comprehensive behavioral and psychological assessment, as well as brain imaging um, effects. And um, going forward, I do think it will be important to um, to focus on, on diet, nutrition and nutritional intake. And that would be certainly something that could be um, could be flagged up at, at the front line um, to understand what are young people eating every day and what might they not be eating. I'm trying to draw comparisons with other areas of mental health, other interventions, and thinking about how this field is going to develop. And it reminds me a lot of exercise, thinking about 10 or 15 years ago, where we were starting to do more reliable research into exercise as an intervention for all sorts of different populations and conditions. Do you think that's where this field is going? Do you think we'll be in a situation in a few years' time where we can start to think about intervening with particular problems and solutions? Yes, I certainly think so. I think once we build a really good body of evidence in humans and um, particular for, in more narrow age ranges. So one of the one of the key issues for the, um, the systematic review that I summarized um, for the mental health was is that it, it it included participants that were still in adolescence and still were undergoing brain development and it had participants that didn't have that. So it sort of crossed a, an important developmental boundary. And um, again, our study is sort of, you know, it's just a problem of having having not very targeted studies available today that really um, give us good insights into a specific developmental period and um, investigating the effects of dietary intake in that period on mental health. So I really think we need much more focused and also more comprehensive research approaches going forward. And I do think we'll, we'll get to the stage where we have... Um, we can make recommendations for specific interventions. I think a key aspect to also remember here is that, and that's certainly something that also came out from our focus group work, is that um, there's a lot of self-empowerment in this, in these kind of interventions, because this is something with a low access barrier, and everyone can can really consciously think about what they're eating every day. It may not always be, um, you know, you may not always be be happy to eat a broccoli every day or just to pick something. But, um, you know, diet is really something that people can feel that they can control more and, um, you know, maybe easier to implement than other interventions. And there's less stigma attached for some people as well. So um, I, I really think 
that these simple dietary changes could, could be the way forward for many people. I wanted to ask you about that finally, because thinking about the accessibility of this as a, a kind of lifestyle intervention, you know, that you can argue that exercise is a very um, it's a social leveler. You know, everyone has access to exercise. You know, we don't all necessarily have gym memberships, but we can all get up and do some exercise um, unless we're severely ill. I, I think I wonder about this as an intervention, though. Does it is it the same? You know, you often hear people saying, you know, it's all well and good. You saying go and buy high quality organic meat or nice fish. But I don't have the money for that. I'm going to my budget supermarket and this is what I have on offer. Are these probiotics, prebiotics available for everyone across society? Or is it actually still an intervention which excludes people that are really struggling financially? Yeah, so based on um, based on the evidence, at least for, for um, our age range, it seems that prebiotics are um, more promising as a dietary intervention. And prebiotics are essentially fibres. Um, and fibres are found in most vegetables, um, so leeks, onions, garlic, um, dates, fruits, um, but also all the whole grain products. And I think we have seen a shift um, in having more whole grain um, products available through across all supermarket chains. Um, so I, I do think it's not, um, I think there's not probably not necessary to, to buy a um, to buy a specific food supplement, but this is really something that you would pick up in in all supermarkets. It's just probably requires a little bit of of um, sort of conscious um, decision making when it comes to to shopping and filling your shopping basket. Um, and um, it will be it will be a, a moment of possibly cutting back on sugars which are quite detrimental to certain beneficial gut bacteria. So I think once we have clear recommendations, um, this is something that could be, could be wide, widely um, accessible. I, I, don't, I don't think that this will, will come down to, um, to, that we'll see additional barriers down to you know, financial. Let's say a research funder is listening to this and they are extremely enthusiastic about what you're saying and they come along and they give you three million pounds and they say i want you to do a trial catherine i want you to investigate the most important question in this field what would you do what is your real research priority having done this review yes i, I would run a, um, a randomized control trial and would try and keep a very narrow age range and run a, um, a dietary intervention where i um, with prebiotics um, which is the the psychobody that I'm most interested in, particularly because it's so widely available in our diet already. Um, and I would look at the how these um, how this dietary intervention relates to um, to anxiety improvements um, against the placebo group, and I would link this very closely to um, to brain imaging indices, behavioral indices, and I also would look at nutritional intake and sleep and exercise, which is really important, especially within the context of the, the gut microbiome. And I would uh, take it from there, really, link it to um, the parental microbiome as well, sort of to, to get an understanding of how there are interactions within the family environment, but really, really, really put some effort um, behind creating human intervention studies. Mm-hmm.